one of you is the monster. Monster? They're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are a very a British, British horror. horror. You just said British horror. I did say British horror. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering whether to actually include the horror bit, given that the uh, the film we're talking about the uh, sort of doesn't really have any horror in it. What film are we going to be talking about, Paul? Okay. Um, I'm very sorry for this, everybody, but we're going to be talking about the um, Sting starring film The Bride. From 1985. Yeah. Directed by Frank Rodden. Yeah. A prequel to his excellent MasterChef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Frank Rodden was probably um, most famous TV-wise other than MasterChef. For, which probably not many people know that he he was he was the creator of MasterChef back um, in the Lloyd Grossman days, not yeah. not the current MasterChef. No, cooking doesn't get any tougher than this. Not Greg Wallace, yeah, who I love, yeah, who is on everything, um, <coughs> but who isn't in The Bride? No, well, Frank Frank Rodham's probably the most famous things are um, Quadrophenia, the uh, mod drama, the adaptation of the Who album, yes. Which is um, an excellent film. It's all right. Also had Sting as a in a role in that. Did have Sting in it. Did and, and Phil Daniels and Phil Daniels and also Gary Shale, who good, good Gary who's Shale. also in this film as well. Um, and also uh, RV to Saint Pet, who was responsible for that as well. Frank Rodden. Yeah, he directed RV to Saint Pet. I generally didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, know that. A, he, I think he was the. I don't know if he directed it or if he was a producer or oh, something, no. but he he kind of created that. That was I thought that, that was, his, that, I thought that was Clement and the Frenet. No, not RV it's him, pet. Wasn't it? No. I don't know anything about TV. <laughs> well, not, not TV like that. Oh, it had... Um, oh, uh, Jimmy Nail and Timothy Spall, who is also in this film. Kevin Waitley, who's not yeah, in this Kevin film. Kevin Waitley, who's not in this film. And Timothy Spall has got a small role in yeah. this film, but he's billed as Tim Spall, and yeah. he looks very young. Yeah. And, um, am I right in thinking that oh, this this for people who don't know is a film is a it's a uh, a Frankenstein film. Um, am I right in thinking remembering correctly that Timothy Spall's also in Gothic? Isn't he Polidori? Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So not his first brush with uh, Frankenstein then. Right, interesting link. I think, providing that. Well, um, does Gothic come before or after? I think before. it might be after. Or after. But uh, it's, it's almost, but either way, it's, almost it's, the same time. Yeah. I think um, Frank Rodham is sort of a poor man's Ken Russell. Oh, you, obviously, you mentioned yeah. Quadrophenia. You, you, you said you liked it. A lot of people do like it. But it, it's no Tommy, is it? You're right. <laughs> it's no Tommy. Because <laughs> <laughs> the two are completely different. Well, Quadrophenia yeah. is a great, a great film. There, Quadrophenia is the um, the sort of rebel without a cause of for for people in the seventies. I, I I didn't really enjoy it. I could see it was good, but I didn't really enjoy it. Depends it. if you were quite if you if you have any affinity to the uh, to the kind of music and no, that kind of none whatsoever. That no. sort of era. I like Sting. Not well. I do. No, like he's it. the worst person. In it. He's terrible. In I like it. I like it. Well, Quadrophenia. Yeah. Bit harsh. Leslie Ash is also Bell Boy. I know, I know. Leslie Ash is also Bell Boy. I like Leslie Ash, especially with yeah, I like yeah. I don't like Phil Daniels really. No. And his character is very unlikable in Quadrophenia. Anyway, we're not really talking about Quadrophenia. We were skirting around the subject. Let's 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 let's, let's give our listeners some facts. Let's have some facts about the bride. I don't know any facts. Okay, so it's it's a it's a Frankenstein film and it stars Sting as uh, Charles Frankenstein and Clancy Brown as and Victor. Clancy Brown as Victor, who is the well, one presumes he's the monster, um, which which he is, but it's not. The, yeah, the, the creature necessarily clear. Um, also, David Rappaport. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it helps. It, I think it's it's this film works better if you if you 
uh, pretend it's a time bandits crossover. Doesn't really work better. <laughs> David Rappaport is good in this. He is good, yeah. He plays Ronaldo, uh, a circus dwarf who befriends the creature. Okay, yeah. Creature. And we've also got Jennifer Beals who plays the title role. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was a bit disappointed that when he Sting names her character, he decides to call her Eve and not Roxanne. Should have been better. God, it's going to be a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but Jennifer Beale, obviously for, for people of a, a certain age and that would we'll, we'll remember her more for her lead role in Flashdance. I had to check with my wife whether it was the same same actress. Yeah, it is. She said, yeah, definitely Jennifer Beale's Flashdance. Yeah. Of course it is. Apparently she's also been in The L Word more recently. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a more recent thing. But, but yeah, so... Um, yep, so lots of uh, music references in this film, I think. And I'm going to say that the really big music reference for me is right there at the beginning. Yeah. You've got Quentin Crisp. Yeah. An Englishman in New York. Yeah, he's not in New York. Well, no, admittedly, he's not in New York there. But he was... <laughs> <laughs> and and this, this is true. Um, Sting met Quentin Crisp due to this film. Yeah. Or, and and, and they, they say friends. And, he, and Sting wrote An Englishman in New York about Quentin Crisp when he moved to New York. That's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Not a big Sting fan. I, That's a fairly terrible song. Don't be so negative. <laughs> it is though. I, I, I say there was another music reference quite near the beginning. Um, I'll make it clear now that apparently, according to um, various interviews with Frank Rodham, which probably should have read beforehand, his his objective in making this film was that he wanted to. Um, I, and I think he took Bride of Frankenstein as the basis for this, that he wanted to um, make a Frankenstein film that wasn't really about, wasn't a horror film, but saw it more as a sort of um, tragic gothic romance. So his take on Frankenstein is as a gothic romance and not a horror film, which... Um, that, I don't think that's... You should probably just stop talking about it now. Because it's not a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it is a horror film. <laughs> uh, and the gothic romance is a type of horror film. Yeah. But in 1985, the great era of Hammer was still fresh in the memory. And this is clearly quite a severe reaction against that. Yeah. It's not the only one of those... I mean, the 80s was a dark time for British horror. And I think... One of the reasons it was such a dark time was that it had this massive, great golden era hanging over it. Yeah. They, they couldn't make films like that anymore. That well had been exhausted, but they, they didn't know how to how move things on. So you've got Lair of the White Worm, which we yeah. discussed in a previous podcast, and um, a number of, of, of British horror films in the 80s, which, you know, a lot of them sucked, and of course the um, the, the industry itself was in the doldrums. So yeah. there weren't that many British films at all across the eighties, and the ones that were successful. I mean, this was the the, the period of Merchant Ivory, Chariot, and you know, yeah. to Room with a View. Then you've got Chariots of Fire. You've got they're not they're, they're not horror films. I mean, there were some good horror films made in this era, but really no. There's um. There's a a flesh and the fiends sort of remake called The Doctor and the Devils, which has oh, um, yeah. um, Timothy Dalton as as the yep. the Peter Cushing character, which you'd think and it's directed by Freddie Francis, and you'd think it'd be marvellous, but it's not. It's awful. <laughs> it's just you know the, the 80s. It lets you down. Yeah, that's true. So, but but I don't actually mind the casting of Sting as because uh, you can see what Rodham has in mind here. Sting is a rom romantic hero in the kind of Byronic, Shelley, yeah. Keats sense. He's not... Um, he isn't like Peter Cushing and he's not like um, the universal... Uh, it's kind of as far away from Colin, from Cl who was Colin Cl Clive. Yeah, yeah. Colin Clive. He's, he's not it, like it, that at all. It's... Um, yeah, you, you, you can't get any further away from any of those stereotypes than... than, than um, sting, really. Uh, of course, 
Well, so this thing, thing is not, not an huge, actor. No, I mean, he, he'd have done June by this point, wouldn't he? Uh, this is the case for the defence, because... <laughs> Sting as Fade Rather in June is just one of my favourite performances in one of my favourite films. I just think he he's does amazing. Well given he's just in his pants. Every line, every sneer he does is just amazing. He's brilliant. But then he also does that in this role. Yes, yeah, less and, brilliant. And, 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 in but which just might prove that that's his kind of range. Well, he, he he did make a few more films, but he's a musician. Yeah. Well, kind of. Oh no, well, I'm not. I'm not a fan of his music either. <laughs> I do. I do sort of. I do really like him in June, and yeah. I actually don't mind his performance in The Bride. I sort of see where it's going because uh, Charles Frankenstein. Um, he he starts off as a bit horrible, and in the middle of the film, you think, oh, he might be all right, and then at the end of the film, and he, he gets rapey. He does get, as you say, rapey. <laughs> um, yeah. So. The, the film starts okay. off. I want. I want. I mean, yeah. those other people talk about. Something, but let's, yeah. let's just rattle through this. The film <laughs> starts off with the creation of the bride. So the the creature is already there. Yeah. And um, Frankenstein has like uh, Timothy Spall is kind of like yeah. Eager. Eagle. Eagle. Yeah. Paulus, his name is. And. Quentin Crisp, absolutely bizarrely, uh, as is his he's assistant. Kind of, he's, it was, he's just there because they had Quentin Crisp and just wanted to find the role for him, really. He doesn't do anything or add anything. Well, he wasn't a, a, an actor. He was a no. performer. And he had been the subject of a, of um, The Naked Civil Servant, John, yeah. John Hurt, uh, was it a TV programme or was it a film? Uh, I think it was a TV programme. I think it was. No, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so so he was he was famous like Sting, he just wasn't an actor. Yeah. Ken Russell, by the way, also did that kind of casting quite well with Roger Dalton. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there are links between. Yeah. And this is that kind of that tradition of filmmaking, but then you've already mentioned Gothic. Yeah. Yeah, but th- this creation scene, he just jumps right in it. You never even yeah. meet. So you uh, don't. It, it, I, I did watch it and thought maybe because um, you sort of wonder whether you've missed a bit of the film somewhere. I'm sure it's intentional because obviously the bride, bride of Frankenstein, is a sequel. Yeah. And this is kind of a sequel to a film that was never made. Yeah. Because because you know you're picking up the story story halfway through. Yeah, it kind of does. It does kind of assume that you know the Frankenstein story a bit, doesn't it? It does does assume that you know who Frankenstein is and what he does and what the creature is. Because this is a, the big sort of creation set piece. Is it, totally from the Universal yeah. horror film with the lightning and. The but, but but I think that I think that's I think it is is an interesting way to start. But I think it. Quite gruesome as well. You, you the, the, struggle with the. Um, I think. I think the thing is, you, 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 the audience at home probably haven't seen a Frankenstein film for ages. So I think it's quite risky to just suddenly leap in and assume that your audience knows all this stuff already. Especially with the relation to Bride of Frankenstein, which was fifty years old by this yeah, point. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was one of the. Very severe creative errors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the beginning is actually is actually really good. It's probably the most horror part of the. Well, film. I was, was going to say the, 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 the there's that um, the head in the jar that gets smashed, and you can yeah. see that the head's kind of a little bit. Yeah, alive. music reference, another music reference, Talking Heads. I think that's, that's a, a, a bit of a stretch, but okay. A, it was talking-ish, sort of, sort of gurgling. <laughs> I mean that that kind of was e- uh, edging towards Herbert West um, Reanimator. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, well, it was uh, uh, quite quite good. Yeah. Um, then, you know, the, the they have a fight basically yeah. because the, when the, the the bride comes to life and um, the creature goes, "Wow, I've got a bride," and Frankenstein's yeah, yeah. like, oh, "I'm not so sure about that." And then there's a fight and yeah. everyone dies and well, uh, the 
Quentin Crisp and Timothy Small die, yeah. and um, the creature runs away, and that leaves Frankenstein with the bride, yeah. whom, as you say, he, he soon calls Eva. Yeah. Um, Not uh, Roxanne. Then, he says, moving swiftly on, <laughs> um, Frankenstein is visited by his friend from university called Anthony. Well, I don't know, I didn't even catch the character's name. I I could look it up. You know, it's, um, I, no, I have written it down somewhere. Um, I think it's Clival or something like think, that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. But it's played by Anthony Higgins. Whom not that important an actor, but whom um, was the lead character in the Jarsons contract. Okay. That uh, Art House Peter Greenaway film from just a little bit later than yeah. this, I think, which I really love. Um, so he was really good in that, less good in this. His character's got nothing to do. No, except be ridiculous perverts. Well, he sort of leers after um, Eva, Anything. the bride. Yeah. But. Uh, Frankenstein then says, oh, do it. no, don't be ridiculous. Well, there's quite an interesting thing, I think, going on, because Frankenstein points out that he wants to he wants to make Eva equal. So he wants to be have her equal in um, in in sort of intellect and, and everything. So it's, it's sort of like, there's the sort of almost feminist statement of the film, which I think is intentional, but then it's slightly ruined by the very next scene. Of her waking up and coming downstairs with nothing on. Well, her body double is certainly right, naked. Right, it's a body double, yeah. Her body double, double, yeah, double is naked in that scene yeah. and then cuts to her face and she's yeah. not naked again, which which is pretty gratuitous. But yeah, you know, half there's of the, no kind of reason for it, really. No. Um, and, and there's a kind of uh, some scenes which are My Fair Lady-esque. Um, yeah. And, and Pygmalion... See, I think it I is think directly referenced. Yeah, I think this is that they, they, they teaching her struggles to know what it wants to be exactly. Well, it's teaching her to be a society lady, but then, yeah, you know, this is not feminist, right? It's not feminist to say I want women to be <laughs> equal to men. Obviously, they're not, so I'll have to make a new one. <laughs> I'll have to build one myself that's just as good as a man. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that yeah, and then teach her to be a lady. Yeah. And, and and then then of course later get really annoyed with her when she asserts her independence and yeah, exactly. shows her intellect. Yeah. But then I mean it's pretty obvious that that uh, Frankenstein is not a feminist. He's probably a misogynist. Yes. <laughs> and and you can kind of see that. I mean, I'm going to give this film credit. And I'm going to say that his sort of feminist um, statements earlier on are deliberately ridiculous. And show him up as an idiot. Yeah, I think that's. But apparently, uh, it was the intention of Frank Rodham to make this a, a sort of feminist take on it. Well, yeah, I don't know. well, I'm no, not sure he didn't. really no. understood what he was doing there. But I mean, <laughs> obviously, the character of Frankenstein could be misogynist, and the film not be misogynist. Yeah. Although the criticism nudity is a bit of a black mark yeah. <laughs> in that direction. But you, you know the, the character of Eva isn't too bad, so you know let's 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 give it a let's yeah. give it a chance. I'm thinking, and meanwhile the creature it is it is uh, yeah. So so now moving on to the, the more interesting bit of the uh, the creature who's film. very sympathetically played yeah. by by Clancy Brown, basically who's, who's really rather good. I think he, he he's um like a, a gentle giant. Yeah. You can't, you, you're talking of mice and men kind yeah. of. He, More Herman Munster. Than, yeah, I mean he he's got a Boris Karloff. It's pretty obvious the creature has got a, a heart of gold. He's yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, I think he, he plays him as, a, as like an, an adult with learning difficulties, yeah. and, and quite accurately depicts them, I think, and, and it's really good. And it, and David Rappaport, who befriends the creature on the road and says, "Let's go to Budapest and join the circus." Yeah, David Rappaport's good as well. Yeah, so, David Rappaport. I mean, he, apparently he was a bit of a git in real <laughs> life, but as an actor, he was—he was quite um, uh, talented. So, he, he, his his character Ronaldo is definitely a lovable rogue. Yeah. There's a nice scene where they rob a church, you know, and you, you get a little snips view of the vicar, and he's obviously a git himself, yeah. like the character. So 
so it's fine to rob him. He, he does. And, he does. And, and, and yeah, then they get there's Tony Haygarth in the bar. And yeah. This is, yeah. He does. He there. does. Um, there is, a, is an interesting line that I picked up that David Rappaport says, or Ronaldo says, um, when he's talking about himself and his size, he says that he's a man in every sense of the word, which kind of that seemed a bit smutty to me. It was a gratuitous innuendo that I, I didn't really get. <laughs> and then there's a bit later on where he he tells the the the, the Victor that who he gives he names the creature Victor. Hmm. Um, he tells Victor something very similar about about him as well. So I don't know if there's like some weird little thing going on there. Well, I think they have a close bond. They do. <laughs> Um, I don't think it was. I don't think it was that close. <laughs> no, it, it's I, I, just. I, it just seems like a really weird thing to to say. Yeah, um, possibly limitation of the dialogue, but you know, their relationship goes, their friendship develops, and they end up in Budapest, and they join the circus, and the circus yeah. is run by the oh. young one's landlord. Because <laughs> it's next it. musical reference. Yeah. Hello, John. Got a new caravan. Because there's caravan. Yes. yes. So Lexi Sale, if you pick that up. Yes. It's so Lexi Sale, and his right hand man is yeah. Phil Daniels. Yeah. Park Life. Bella. I mean, that obviously wasn't a <laughs> reference to Park Life, but it's Phil Daniels with Quadrophenia. Yeah. So, you, you, strange. He's a kind of supporting role, just basically playing. Yeah, he doesn't really say anything, does he? Uh, a little bit. No. And um, Gary Shale, who was also in Quadrophenia, is one of the circus fans. Is he the bomb one? Yeah. He doesn't really do much. He doesn't do much in Quadrophenia either. I think he may have been in Grange Hill, but I, I could just be completely misremembering that. And and then we have some we have some <laughs> stuff at the circus with uh, David Rappaport's sorry Ronaldo's act being okay, but then um, Victor joins in. Yeah. In drag, and that goes well, down no, really it's even. because he, 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 thinks, yeah, he genuinely he, thinks that he's Ronaldo has this act where he falls yeah, off he, a trapeze yeah. and then he's he's on a wire and he swings down in front of the, the audience, makes more scream. And um, Victor thinks that this is genuine and runs in to try and save him. And Alexi Sale thinks this is hilarious. And then he puts incidentally, Victor, I did, Victor did, in drag, and I did, did find the bit. Quite funny when, like, I think it's the first scene that Alexi sails in where, where Ronaldo's talking to him about his act and he's going, No, I don't want a dwarf. <laughs> and he's like going on, like, Well, oh, fed up with dwarves. And, and it just, I don't know, just something about that made me, I thought it was quite funny. Alexi sails does okay in, in, in this yeah. show. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He, I mean, it's not intentionally funny, I don't think. But he, he, well, he was. In, in the 80s, one of the leading lights of alternative comedy. Yeah. So he's obviously a, a comic relief role, but the role does have a, a serious they undertow. They forget to put too much comedy in it, but yeah. And the, the serious undertow is that um, the, the circus owner wants to separate Ronaldo and Victor because he thinks he can exploit Victor without Ronaldo protecting him. Yeah. Uh, Magar, the circus owner is called yeah. Magar, um, and he basically says, "Who will rid me of this damned priest or something?" And yeah. uh, so Phil Daniels goes and cuts the rope, and yeah. then uh, Ronaldo falls off the trapeze and dies. And then Alexis Cell is taking him off, saying, "I didn't mean murder him." And then Victor overhears, and so. Uh, Victor pushes the caravan over yeah. and then kills Bella, Phil Daniels, uh, who, who has survived neither Frank or them. Yeah. Oh, that's a spoiler. <laughs> no, he so, does survive Quadrophenia. He doesn't survive Quadrophenia. Yeah, he does. Well, it's not a spoiler then. If there's an argument over whether he survives Quadrophenia. No, there's no argument over whether he survives Quadrophenia because he does. Because Quadru- the end of Quadrophenia is the very beginning of the, of the film. So right at the beginning of the film, he's walking away from the cliff. And what he's doing, and Quadrophenia is a bit of a, this is a, bit of a side thing, he's, he, he's, he's destroying this, because he's, he's disillusioned with the, the mod way of life, he destroys the symbol 
he has of the mod mod wave his mod life, which is the the scooter by pushing it off the cliff. Right at the very beginning, he, you see him walking away, head down from the cliff, so before it goes into the rest of the film. Bored by the end of the film, I didn't even notice that. I just thought he killed himself. No, that he destroys. He destroys. He symbolically destroys his 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 life because he's just disillusioned with the whole mod thing. Because of Sting, it's all Sting's fault. I know because he's not really cool at all. He's just a bellboy. He's just a bellboy getting ordered around. Yeah. Yeah, but then there's a really long kind of he wanders around and tries to talk to every character and goes to every place and it's not the same for him. And then, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, enough of Quadrophenia. <laughs> I think Quadrophenia is a better film. I think that's why I keep talking about it. But anyway, go on. So, so can I just say that I really enjoyed the bits with Victor and um, Ronaldo, and I think you could have ditched all of the Frankenstein stuff and they would have been a really good fish out of water buddy comedy. I think that would have been great. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything more to say about Sting and no. Eva. Oh, the uh, is, they is they go to a party, Eva meets, meets the guy um, from the Princess Bride. Yeah, Wesley from, from Princess Bride. Mr. Who Harry I kept, Elvis. Who I, just kept, um, and who I just kept thinking, go on, say as you as you wish. Go on, <laughs> say it. Say it! Uh, and Sting gets insanely jealous. Sore as well. I, I heard that, but I've never yeah, seen it. Cuts his own hand off. But, we're, we're spoiling he's, films. He's also a... <laughs> we mustn't spoil the films that aren't the subjects of the podcast. It's I okay, because Saw's rubbish. I don't want to watch that. Um, no, he, he's actually he's actually got... Um, I'm sure he has a title. He's actually he's actually aristocracy. Yeah, he's Kerry the Dread Elvis. Pirate Roberts. Yeah, apart from that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like Carrie Elwes and he's got, you've got a few scenes. He's great. Few. Basically doing the same thing he does. In he Princess does, Bride. yeah, and in everything. And he's um, and he's just he turns out to be a nasty piece of work, so as as all the men who hang around Eva turn out to be. Um, he just he's just in it for the uh, scrunchy stuff. Yeah, he, he's a bad guy, but he's not actually as bad as Sting. He's yeah. just consumed with jealousy. Yeah. And, and Incidentally, um, how did there's a bit where where where. Carrie Elwes and Eva have a have a have a snog. Where did she learn that? Where was she been taught that in her in her um, lady training? I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> so inconsistent, you see. They're not thought it through. How does anyone learn that? Yeah, but it's just yeah, but she just goes straight <laughs> into it. It would be much better if she'd gone, oh my god, what are you doing? And then like tried to smack him about a bit. That would have been better. And probably more feminist. Than just giving in to the first bloke she meets. That isn't Sting. Whom she's not really interested in in that way, much to his annoyance. and we know we know he's going to be a bit rapey as well, Sting, because there's that really, there's that bit that's signposted quite early on where she's in her bed and he's standing there looking looking kind of quite rapey, and then he just then he go she she sort of wakes up and he's not there anymore. Yes, yeah. Yeah. it's kind of signposted that he's a bit weirdly obsessed with her, and. He gets really angry with her when he claims that um, Prometheus Unbound was written by Keats and she's oh, like, yeah. no, it was Shelley. And yeah. um, he goes, don't interrupt me or something like that. Yeah. And then and he goes, oh, it, really, it really was Shelley and goes and gets the book. He's just a bad loser. And, but he wanted her to be clever, which, yeah, was, yeah obviously, he made this woman in, in this but image. But not cleverer than him. Well, I mean, he's not that clever because it's not that difficult to be able to tell the difference no. between Shelley and Keats. No. Uh, and I mean, Shelley was played by Hugh Bennett. So. <laughs> 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 yes, that's the, that's the Shelley who, who wrote for me to something. Hugh Bennett, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, there, can I just point out that at this point, these these two these two sort of things are going on 
simultaneously, but they seem very unrelated, apart from this weird little connection that Eva and Victor seem to have. When they feel strong emotions, the other person feels it as yeah, well. The other one, that, yeah. Which which really, just made me, which just kind of it makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. But then, then there was a weird bit. I, I just thought as well when it when it gets to the point where where like she's snogging blokes and everything, they don't show how Victor's feeling at that point. But presumably, you know, there's he's kind of going, hang on, what's going on? That must be like kind of <laughs> yeah. really really weird. They, they they probably don't well they definitely don't explore that aspect of their no. their their psychic connection and how this scientist managed to give these two creatures a psychic connection um, well, it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't really explain that but it's just it, I guess it's just because they've both been made and I guess that that's that's enough of a reason for them to have some sort of connection I think narratively it works. I mean, no, no I, I don't think it does. Well, it's just I would say narratively worse. I mean, it's, it's the link between them, and and it, keep, it keeps the two strands of the film together. Well, it kind of just reminds you that they're connected. But it doesn't, it doesn't add anything because there's no, there's no point at which Victor's suddenly in peril because because of that, or or vice versa. No one actually, in fact, that no one's really in much peril in this at all. Well, at this point in the film, Victor's in quite a lot of peril. Well, yeah. He's on the run, the piece of murder, which, yeah. you know, yeah. to be fair, he did actually commit. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, he, he, he's um, tracked down, isn't he, by the, the circus um, workers actually go after him. Well, he's tracked down in this town, and uh, there's a mob, and yeah. um, there's a. Well, which I thought was quite. Oh, this is the, 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 the probably the best bit of the entire film. And probably that that is just actually brilliant. Apart from the fact that obviously it refers to something, it requires the audience to know something from again a fifty-year-old film. You're talking which about the blind, the, blind man. the blind man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I just thought was a really good switcheroo type thing because I was actually watching that thinking, oh, the blind man's going. He he's going to be take pity on him and all this because he can't see him and it turns out he's one of the mob and he goes he's here we f- I found him but that, that, I thought that was good and I thought actually that's that's really quite clever I like that so and so Victor's captured yeah. I mean beaten up and captured yeah. and chained up yeah but then something bad happens to Eva yeah um probably well, Probably Frankenstein attacks her. Frank, Frank, well, no, there's, there's a bit as well earlier on which which I thought was really inconsistent. Which is there's the bit where she goes down into the mausoleum where all the the skulls are, and she's asking about what they are. And and Frankenstein is really weird. He's kind of quite sort of uh, shows quite a sort of reverence for these 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 remains of people, the... given that he stitches bits of people together and. Reanimates them. I thought that was a bit odd. Well, in that scene, he's quite a nice guy. So, yeah. so that, but I think that was earlier on. Which is, yeah, which is a bit yeah. random. But I can't, I can't even remember what it is that causes Victor to go so upset. What happens to Eva? I don't think that's. No. I don't think that's um, the the rape. The no, might, no. It's it's some it's some kind of. Uh, it, oh, she's upset for some reason, and uh, yeah. so Victor breaks out of. Prison, of uh, of the prison and comes to rescue her. Yeah, no, that's a bit where. Um, well, before before that, the, the I know I'm skipping. You so are we, skipping, so we can so get to the end. Okay, yeah. So there's a bit. Uh, it's, yeah, it is uh, that Frankenstein's kind of trying to force himself on her. Uh, okay. But there's been but there's been a bit before where where. Um, just a brief mention where where the Victor buys, um, uh, some. Glass, fake jewels off of um, a little a tinker guy who's played by Ken Campbell. Yeah. Who 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 plays the part as Ken Campbell? Who's a kindly tinker. Yes. Well, he he does kind of think about ripping him off first, but then helps him out. And again, it sort of highlights the the, the kind of nice quality of the monster of Victor that people want to kind of be nice to him. 
Anyway, that was sort of just an, an aside. But really. Frank, Frankenstein doesn't. Frank, Frankenstein basically hates him and is really yeah, nasty yeah, yeah, about yeah. him. That's he, because Frankenstein's a really nasty person. Yeah. Apart from the fact that he's incredibly dull throughout the whole film. I did actually write in there, but there's a bit where I think the Frankenstein Eva storyline was going on and I've just put Frankenstein stroke Eva storyline is super dull. Found myself nodding off. Which is true. Yeah. I, I think I, I paused the film, went to complain to my wife that I still had like 40 minutes to go. Because it's a very... This is the longest it's, film it we've actually ever long. covered. It's just under two hours, isn't it? I, I don't think we've covered anything that's on with this. No. I'd be very reluctant to do that again. Although, actually, towards the end, it does pick up. Well, right, the last 10 minutes. It does get... In, it does sort of get interesting. In the last 10 minutes, yeah. Because the whole thing that she, she's he calls her the bride because he's obviously made her for, um, for the monster. Yeah. But he decides um, that he wants to the Frankenstein wants to marry his his own uh, creation in, instead. But I don't know that he wants to marry her necessarily. Well, he he said does he say he, that? No, he he specifically says I'm going to give you a wedding night. Oh, okay. Which I, I, I like you say is a is bit that not a euphemism for I, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably is more 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 of a euphemism than I'll actually give you a proposed. Wedding night, hey, hey, know what um, I mean? But because I, I I honestly don't get him. He, he 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 wanted to create this this woman that was his intellectual equal just to to prove that it could be done, which yeah. you know without actually meeting an actual woman. And um, instead, he's trying to kind of get. All like crazy serial killer Jack the Ripper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nasty piece of work. But luckily, there's, Victor comes along and there is a there is a, there is a cheesy line that I wrote down that Frankenstein says to her at this point, which is, um, "I meant to teach you to love," which I just thought was just ultra cheesy and. But actually, it's actually it's not that bad because. You think, what? How, he? How could he teach her when he's such a horrible, loveless person? Himself? Yeah. He, he, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So I don't know if it was intentionally like making that point, or whether it was just a horribly cheesy line. But I, there I is, there is something behind it. Yeah. I think there's a, quite a lot of thought gone into this film. I just think yeah. it's it's They've almost too, to make it enjoyable. It's, it's, or entertaining. it's almost it's too worthy, isn't it? Yeah. It's like they've, they've they've gone halfway towards making this a kind of um, well, not art house, but a, a, yeah. a, a kind a kind yeah. of um, proper drama. Yeah, they're looking to try and do that, uh, but it's just not that kind of subject matter. It's, it's it does just doesn't work. It doesn't feel like no. this is how this. Should be treated. Just fails on all all counts, really. The only the only kind of saving bit of it is is the the Victor Ronaldo storyline, which is actually quite entertaining. I think if you just got all of those bits, cut out all the rest, and just had their their adventure, I think that would, it would be a a good good half hour. I think the problem, I, I actually think, not a good half hour, but I th- I mean this film could easily lose half an hour. Yeah, which would all be. There's lots going on. There's Victor there's and Eva stuff. There's the really, yeah, and the party bit. It's just terrible. I think it was a bit of a mistake because Sting is obviously new to acting, really, and Jennifer Beals is quite new to acting. Um, and to have those as the leads together is a bit, yeah, it's a bit. Again, it was a bit of a risk, and, and it, it it just makes those scenes really dull and wooden. If if in the editing. They they jazzed up a bit, focused on uh, yeah. Victor and Ronaldo. It would have been this could be a fun film. Yeah, and the and it would still work because you know the, the ending where Victor goes back and saves Eva and they go off to Venice together yeah. where Ronaldo always wanted to yeah. go. And that, that's fun. That's, and that, that would be, that would be great. I thought that would make a, a really cool sequel, like a a sort of um, domestic. Honeymoon comedy with called a monster in Venice. I thought that'd be great. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he he goes off, he gets drunk in a bar, and they all get... They, they lose each other and then wackiness ensues as they try and fight each other and narrowly miss each other. I tell you, I tell really you what I liked great. about the ending, it was not that it was going to lead into a comedy film. <laughs> <laughs> but, I so wanted there but, to be some comedy in this film. But the ending's not tragic. Because no. The poor, I mean, the, the poor Frankenstein's creature, it tends to die yeah. most of the time. Yeah, and you know it tends to get rejected, and I mean in, yeah. in in the in the Mary Shelley book it goes off to Antarctica, well not Antarctica, Ar- the oh, Arctic, the yeah. Arctic, and and um, you know just wants to live away from people because it's had such a terrible, yeah. miserable life, and uh, but uh, here Victor does say he's thinking about doing that, yeah, but then this this bond he has with Eva, and you know he's just general decency, yeah. He just, he just like, oh, actually, let's go to Venice and, and have a bit of fun. And the thing is, is he's kind of, he's kind of nice. It makes you feel nice, good because he's a, he's a great character. He's a great, he's a really nice, affable monster. And you just think, you just go, yeah, hooray! He's had a, he's had a good ending, and that's that's great. So I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that this film is difficult to get through. Yeah. And. You know, it, it is hard work, and you can see why it was a big flop with yeah. like bad reviews all over the place, and why no one likes it, and probably why no one's listening to this podcast. But um, there is a good film in there somewhere. There really is yeah. somewhere. Yeah, maybe. I know you're not convinced, but uh, I, I just think it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it it just wasn't what I was expecting, and it and it was. Um, you thought it would be fun, didn't I you? I thought it'd be fun. I yeah. thought it'd be like a bit, bit more, a bit sort of cheesy. And it, you're right; it's just it's far too worthy, and 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 sort of bad, but in a, not in a good way, which is what, probably what I thought it would be. Um, but but in in its defence, it the two leads are, are fairly rubbish. That's but, the defence, okay? But <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But the rest of the cast are, are, are pretty good. It's yeah, it's got about ten or twelve interesting people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, I mean, it's a pretty weird cast, but you know, yeah, the the, the cast are genuinely good. I mean, Clancy Brown is 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 excellent, and and and, and, and it looks gorgeous. I mean, there's it's, it's all filmed in France apparently, in various sort of chateaus in France, but it it looks absolutely gorgeous. Like the cinematography is fantastic. It's got a score by Maurice Shah, which is quite good, which is great as well. So he has loads of really good things going for it. It's just dull as ditch water most of the time, and I think and nothing could, happens. I think you could fix it. There's a lot of there's a lot of things happening that seem unconnected to anything else and don't really move anything on. And and but I, I'm sure that happens all the time in first cuts of films. Yeah. And then an editor gets in there and gets exactly. takes the scissors and it's all sorted out. And and I think the thing that kind of uh, gives it away that, that that where its priorities are a bit wrong is in the end credits because when you watch the end credits it goes through the cast and then I think there's maybe one technical person and then the next credit that comes up that gets its own little bit all by itself is the hair consultant. Sting's hair is really quite good. And Jennifer Beale's hair, obviously. That's really quite good as well. Apparently, yeah. being reanimated gives you. Uh, Really lovely Really hair. kind of lovely, back-combed hair. Yeah. Incidentally, given but that he does actually state that she was stitched together from lots of different corpses, she 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 kind of looks surprisingly surprisingly good, and 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 the the, the scars have healed up quite well. But that that's all from um, that's that's all from the original, isn't it? Yeah. The, 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 the Frankenstein's better. At making uh, creatures by the time he gets around to her and, yeah. and, and, and does a better job. The um, like the, the, the 1930s Actually, bride, she's, she doesn't look like no. a monster. She's, she's just got the white stripes in her yeah. hair, which Jennifer Beals doesn't have. Uh, I seem to remember... Actually, Victor, he didn't do too bad a job on Victor, to be honest. Neither did he, really. Well, he's, Victor, at least, you can see... I mean, it's not like the Karloff makeup, or definitely not like the Christopher Lee makeup no. in Curse of Frankenstein. He's got a few scars. It actually, I think it's I think the makeup of Victor's fine. Yeah. He looks 
he looks a bit odd, but he looks yeah. like, I mean, he, he looks like he wouldn't be shunned just for looking like that. No. Do you know, I, I was, when, I, when I watched this film, like, really, the middle really, really was painful. Yeah. But at the end of it, I, I kind of thought, oh, mate, nearly. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that is absolutely everything I've got to say about The Bride. Yep. I think so. Now, before before we move on, well, shall we, shall we do the questions, or shall we talk about um, how we're going to what we're going to do next? Well, uh, let's just kind of do vaguely do the questions. They're kind of, I mean, okay. I mean, I I, I didn't I liked bits of this film, but as a whole, didn't really like it at all. That's an answer to one of the questions, is it, Paul? That is an answer to one of the questions, whether <laughs> I liked it or not. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to say I didn't like it. Okay. Um, do you think it holds up today as a, as a piece of film work? Yes. See? I'm so I, don't, I don't know. I think this is, well, this I what think I, was I think I think maybe it does, but I th- there's some lots of 80s elements in there. But, but again, it, it looks fantastic. It's not really that because it's costume drama. They they, yeah. do, they look similar now. Yeah, and things obviously a bit older, but I mean, I think it does kind of hold up. It's just not very enjoyable. No. So that's why I've answered those questions in that way. Yeah, and it certainly isn't scary. Is it scary? No. <laughs> I like I like we're doing the answers first this time. It's a nice twist. <laughs> okay, forget the bride. That's that, that's finished now. Yeah. Um. So, before we say what we're doing next week, um, I think we had a, a, another email from Eddie. We did, yeah. Um, and uh, we won't read it out this this, this time, but um, I think Eddie made the point that um, we're not doing the classics, that we, we, we're picking films that are sometimes not <clears throat> going to be terribly good. No. And, you know, given what we've just talked about, it's a fair cop. And I think... <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just films, films and TV. I'm sorry about that, Eddie. Um, and <coughs> for you, we actually next time we're going to talk about one of the greats. It, it is one of the greats. It's, it doesn't necessarily have the reputation to go with it. But well, I, I've read Martin Scorsese talking this film up quite highly, you? so I think. It oh, does, okay. Maybe it, it does then. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it's hammers. Plague of Zombies. Plague of the Zombies. Plague of the Zombies. Yeah. Which um, I remember I, I bought this on VHS video from um, for, for one ninety nine from That's Entertainment in Croydon. Yeah. It was. I think I taped this off the TV back in the day when they used to show stuff like this. And sort of hmm. 11 in, in the evening or midnight or whatever. You could yeah. just randomly tape all of these films. And I have to say, Eddie... That my choice was because it's my turn now, and my choice wouldn't have been this; it would have been the skull. But I'm a bit worried that's going to suck as well. <laughs> I have seen that, <laughs> and I don't remember that as being particularly good. Whereas I, 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 and I'd like to revisit it to see if I was right. But the play of the zombies I know is good. Yes, and um, I hope. Actually, I'm going to promise you, Eddie, we are going to do an episode on the exorcism and in fact what would be really good don't you think Paul is if we got for the, the uh, Dead of Night episode of the exorcism which Eddie particularly likes so we, we maybe do something on Skype get Eddie in as a special guest maybe yeah Yeah. so Eddie that's an invitation if, would you like to be a special guest on our episode about the exorcism fair enough <laughs> right and, and one other thing I'd like to talk about Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm really sorry about the sound quality um, for these episodes. We've been really working on improving that. We had a big technical session. We've got it so we can do one of us can 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 speak in a nice microphone. Just the other person can't then be heard. And um, yeah, although Paul was fine with that as long as no one heard what I was saying, I didn't think that was fair. <laughs> I, I, I want I, I want to make my points as well. So. Um, <laughs> We're going to carry on working on that, and when we're ready to go, you know, into the space age and to get proper sounds, 
we, we, we will be announcing that with all the razzmatazz of show business that obviously is our hallmark. Brilliant. So, yes, if, so if you want to contact us, if you particularly want to um, give us technical advice on microphones, that would be good. Um, but if you if you disagree with us about the bride and, and uh, looking on the internet, lots of people do. That's quite a, 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 a sort of a cult following. Um, with lots of people reassessing it as, as good, apparently. I, so I if you're one of, if you're one of those people and you want to tell us why, then then you can contact us by email at verybritishhorror at gmail dot com or on Facebook at facebook dot com forward slash verybritishhorror or on Twitter at very Brit horror and again do give us feedback because we are relying totally on eddie to give us feedback at the moment and that's well that's great it'd be nice to have some more feedback too i agree with you and now i want to go to bed <laughs> so so do i but obviously not together but what why obviously well, you're okay. Well. Anyway, let's not go down that direction. <laughs> <laughs> let's just sign off. So okay. I've been Chris Denton, <laughs> and I'm still Paul Monk. Good night. Bye bye.